Hello. Today we are on again to our program, your program, the students' program, which is the Campus Talk podcast. Uh, we've not been around for quite a while because of um, the coronavirus, and it's uh, it's been a you know tough time with our society trying to see how uh, we can handle all of this. But um, through uh, mediums like this, in terms of uh, you know having to and converge through um, Zoom meetings and different uh, mediums, we are still able to come around and share information, which is the goal of um, the Campus Talk podcast. Um, so today we have um, great um, guests who will be um, talking about a very um, salient issue in our society, uh, issue, topic that sometimes people don't want to talk about it, uh, some people want to talk about it, but we're going to look at it from different perspectives. Uh, one, why do people don't want to talk about it? Um, setting the record straight. So I have, um, you know, some great personalities here with me today who are going to be um, delving into this um, topic, uh, setting the record straight. And today's topic is going to be on reparation. And uh, we'll be looking at reparation as, uh, as, as, as a world, you know, is there a need for there to be reparation? And we also be looking at uh, reparation from the contest uh, that has to do with the black reparation, uh, which is a bon bonny topic that um, is being talked about and there's uh, diverse uh, opinions on um, the black reparation. So we've been uh, Pastor Mike Katz of um, Greenhouse Church. Uh, we also be having uh, Pastor Joel Romelis of Greenhouse Church. Uh, we'll be having uh, Jabba Brown of My Brother's Keeper during the course of the program. It will be, um, this um, guest will be talking about, um, you know, this topic on reparation. So first, um, I want to ask this question. Um, it could go to you, uh, Pastor Mike Pat. Uh, when we talk about reparation as it uh, relates to the church, uh, what do the church, you know, see? What is their perspective when it comes to reparation um, as, uh, as a topic, you know, uh, as an issue in society? What is the uh, perspective of the church? Thanks for letting us be here, by the way. But uh, I'll start by telling you about my wife, and then I'll answer that question. Because several years ago, my wife was hit by a truck. And there was a semi-truck. She was going to pick up our children. And this eight, 16, 18 wheeler full of rocks hits my wife's minivan. Uh, my wife gets dragged, you know, like a block down the road. She almost dies. She was in the hospital for weeks. She was in a wheelchair for months. Um, I mean, the effects, even to this day, there's still some lingering effects as a result of that. And when, when all this happened, you know, there were so many, we had so many medical bills and we had so many uh, rehabs and, and equipment to buy and, and all these kind of things. You know what no one ever said to me? You know, no one ever said to me, you know what, Mike, you guys just need to get over it. Like you guys just need to stop, stop playing the victim card. You just need to move, move past this, just keep moving on. The problem is I like, we owed more money to hospitals 
than we even have money. I mean, like I, like I couldn't even do it. Like it's, it wasn't even possible. So, so we, we actually, you know, had to hold them accountable um, because damage has been, had been done. And, and so when you're asking, when we're talking about reparations today, what we're talking about is when there's been damage, there needs to be an attempt to repair where there's been damages. And that's what reparations are. Reparations are the, it's repairing the reparations for damages that have, that have been done. So from the church's perspective, the coming out of the Judeo-Christian ethic, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we can get into as much detail as you want, but uh, when we read those, there is a biblical concept of, of restitution, which is similar to reparation, which is this idea of, of making restitutions or making things repaired where there's been a damage. And the reason, I mean, it's, it, it, it hit so close to home with us and our family because I remember calling up, you know, a, the company and, and the, talking to insurance companies and just saying, hey, I mean, we have eight children. So imagine this, we have eight children and my kids need to go to school. And I called up the insurance company and said, hey, I, I don't even have a vehicle. Like all I, we only have one minivan. I can't get my kids to school on, 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 on Monday, you know? And uh, the insurance companies let made it clear, hey, we're we're not doing anything about this. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to handle this legally. And I remember being dumbfounded. You know, I was sort of like, hey, I'm sure they're, surely they're just gonna go make this right. Surely they're gonna just recognize. Wait a minute, you know, and it was. I mean, there was a cop there. There was witnesses there. There was all. We all know what happened, and yet still, it it was like that for for us to even get those bills to get paid. It's like we we had to we had to go through a process to make that happen. So, so that's where the, where, where the church goes is the, the church's position is that, uh, or I should say, it's not like every church is gonna have the same position. I, I can tell you where, where our hearts come from and what the Bible says. So biblically speaking, the Bible says that when there have been damages that have been done on the earth, the people that are guilty of those damages need to do what can be done to bring repair and to bring restitution. And that's the, that's the biblical New Testament and Old Testament concept. And that's what we would latch onto. And that's why it's an issue for us as a church. Thank you very much for that. Um, certainly, like you said, uh, if a wrong is done, there's a need for, um, you know, uh, that wrong to be, um, you know, righted. Um, this question will go to you, uh, Pastor uh, Joel. Um, when we talk about uh, re reparation, uh, a lot of people see it from different uh, points of view. Some see it from a spiritual uh, contest. Some people see it from a moral, you know, uh, perspective also. And um, where do you really put all of this? Um, looking at reparation. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I would say when it, when it comes to reparations, my take, my perspective is coming from the Bible. That's my grounds. That's my moral framework. And as Mike alluded and mentioned, um, the scripture gives us many instances where there's wrong that's committed and the Bible demands or calls people who've committed that wrong to make those things right. Um, some of the objections you hear often whether that be in a secular setting or from those in the church is, why should I have to pay for something that my forefathers did? Um, and, and that's one of the biggest arguments. It's, 
why should the sons have to pay for the evil and the wrongs that the father has done? Uh, there's also the other argument of, you know, why should, why should we have to pay for something when the generation who was inflicted with that pain or that suffering is no longer present? So there, there's that argument as well of, you know, if you look at it in our context, uh, many of the people who suffered from slavery or even if you go back to, you know, unfair housing act and things along those lines, uh, many of them are not still living today. Uh, and then the other objection is, you know, why should we, the government, tax us to pay for the atrocities committed by a different generation? And from my perspective, there are examples in scripture that addresses all of those things. And so if I'm talking to someone and their moral grounds or their belief or convictions is a scripture, I would contend that the scripture gives us many instances where there are people who, um, whether that be they, they were not the ones who committed the crime, whether that be the generation who inflicted those wounds were no longer there, and the head of state, the government, um, was actually uh, uh, taxing taxing people in order to make those right make those wrongs right. And so there's instances in the scripture that we can look to um, that really shares sheds light on on that fact. And so I think despite those objections from the from the Bible standpoint, we can find reasons for why reparations still must take place in the midst of those settings, um, in the midst of those objections. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, taking a cue from what you just said when it comes to um, different, uh, you know, views uh, regarding uh, people saying that it was, I didn't, I didn't do those harm. It wasn't during my time. Why should I have to pay for it now? You know, and uh, there's still some other views that would say, oh, it's, it's, it's been a long time. Why don't we just uh, let it go? And uh, you know, you have zillions of different uh, you know views. So uh, at this point in time, what are some of the uh, you know objectives in terms of the goals that reparation tend to uh, you know uh, affect in the society? What is it, is it? What would be the goal when it comes to reparation? Uh, is it that we want to see that something um, that was done wrong, like you said, uh, Pastor uh, Mike, that something that was done wrong needed needed to be uh, corrected? So is there a, a, a ripple effect to that in terms of if that reparation is uh, it's, it's covered right now, it tends to send a message in the future that if something is done wrong, then it, so that people don't just take advantage of uh, situations and just keep doing whatever they want to do. But if they know there's the sanctions, there's um, something that needs to be paid for. Maybe they may be, um, you know, careful in taking, um, in, in acting in ways that are not proper in society. So, do you want to uh, really, uh, chip in on that? Sure. You know, when when I think about humans, and again, Joel and I are, are bringing you a perspective that comes from from our scriptures. The scriptures tell us that every single human has been made in God's image. That when they were, when anyone that's even watching this right now, when you were in your, your mother's womb, we believe God himself was knitting you together and forming you and fashioning you. And 
Uh, all of creation is beautiful. You know, the, the, the flowers are beautiful and the supernovas are beautiful and the rainforests are beautiful. But, but you and me, we've been made in the image of God. I mean, whether someone is Asian or African or South American or um, Eastern, Western, wherever someone's from, they've been made in the image of God. And so when we look at somebody, their dignity and their worth is not flowing out of even their accomplishments, which is why a one-year-old baby hasn't even done anything except made diaper art. And yet I think we all, anyone that's ever been around a baby knows there's a precious worth in that child. You know, there's just something beautiful about it. But part of that image of God, according to the scriptures, is that God himself, like there's a verse in the scripture that says that, that God has established his throne for justice. So his very throne, like when you'll hear people say things like God is in control or that God rules, well, even those kind of statements and sentiments are referring back to the throne of God, the rulership of God. And scripture is clear again and again that God's throne, it's a throne of justice. Well, if we're made in his image and core to the very nature of God is, is justice, there's something in us humans, we can't rest until things are right. Like when, when there is injustice, we can't handle it. That's why even four-year-olds will run to their parents when they're sibling is doing something wrong and say, mommy, that's not fair. That's not fair. Little children, no one even has to teach them this. They learn this very natively, very intuitively. Our souls on every continent, any, I mean, I've traveled to a lot of countries, every place I've ever been, everybody says that. Everybody says, that's not fair. They, that's not fair. So, so when there is injustice that's unaddressed, there is a sentiment, whether it's, I would argue, conscious or unconscious, that people know, wait, something's not right here. Something's not been addressed. And so when we're describing even like in the United States of America, when we have damages that have not been addressed, okay, there's there's something not right. Like when when people, and, and listen, don't get, I, I love the country we live in. I would not rather live in another country in the whole world, okay? So I, I, I wanna be super clear on that. Um, but to be honest about our country means we recognize things like America prospered during the cotton revolution on the backs of slaves that were picking the cotton and working the cotton fields for free. They were doing this. So America, I mean, really transcends economic prosperity in, in very unprecedented ways, especially in the 1800s. Um, but you're talking 17, 1800s where the, the cotton gin comes and people are coming before this and, and people are picking the cotton. And, doing, and you've got on the backs of slaves, America goes and prospers, which sets up a prosperous nation and what you have after that is when even after slavery ends and of course you've got people that are coming and saying like okay we need to you know general william sherman i think is the guy that said hey every slave should an emancipated slave should be given 40 acres and a mule and we know that did not happen and so what happened was the generational wealth gap was just so severe but even when african americans when, when former slaves when they tried to go do something the system itself was so was so corrupted or so twisted and so un and again the word is unjust with that un that injustice left un unaddressed that led to now generate even when blacks prospered and even when blacks busted their butts and said you know we'll just go make our own wall street we're going to make our when that would get stopped stamped down it's not even just slavery so even post-emancipation there's so many generations that are wronged you can't have that many generation after generation after generation after generation of the wrongness 
Uh, just like at the individual level, when one child has been being mistreated by a sibling and they say that's not fair, the same thing applies at the corporate level. When there are entire groups of people or generations of people or races and ethnicities of people, there is a sense, conscious and subconscious, that's not fair. That is not, so when people, right now there's people marching in the streets um, months and months and months later, and I'll hear people saying like, why would someone keep marching? And my response is for the same reason a child that has that looks at his mom and said, mom, are you gonna make things right? And personally and systemically, personally and communally, we have a sense of what is not right. And, when, and, and it bothers me when I hear Christians push, push back on this because that very set, even right now when people are marching in the streets, I'm not saying everything that everyone's doing is right on the streets. What I'm saying is at the bottom of that is a desire and a craving that comes from the image of God himself. It's a craving that comes in the image of longing for God's character, which is just, to be manifested on the earth like it is in heaven, in individuals' lives, in families' lives, and in generations' lives. So th that's that, that to me is why we've got a real dilemma, is I think I, my concern, especially for anyone that's a person of faith, I think there's people on one hand that want to say that there's a God of justice, but on the other hand, they don't want to follow through on that. And when there's injustice and it's left unaddressed, they're confused when no one wants to listen to us talk about our God of justice. And, and to, to me, that's why I'm very excited about what you're wanting to talk about today. Yeah, um, thank you very much. Uh, it, it really goes even uh, before now. If, when we look at um, the, the First World War, um, when there were a lot of um, you know wrongs that was done, and Germany was made to uh, pay uh, reparation for those wrongs that was done. So reparation, apart from having a you know a biblical um, contest and backing, it's also something that people, governments have also applied uh, over the years. You know, whereby if a wrong is done, you are expected um, to um, correct um, those wrongs. And so. Uh, the next question is that when we're looking at all of this, um, how do we um, how do we guide society as a church? So this question would be for uh, both of you. Um, the church, if if government don't want to do this, um, organizations don't want to do this, individuals don't want to do this. Now the church have stepped up and say, okay, we want to take because our God is just like said our God's the God of justice you know and we need to put this out so that a wrong that was done that it needs to be corrected so how do you think um, the church can guide society towards um, issue that borders on uh, reparation uh, you may go first uh, Pastor Joel yeah definitely I think it is it is the church's responsibility um, to be advocates for justice so when we look throughout the scripture, we see over and over God's heart and desire towards man, that we were alienated from him. We were doing our own thing. We said, God, go for a hike. We're going to live our lives. And God, seeing us in the state that we were in, rescued us, delivered us, reconciled us to himself. And now the responsibility of the church is now that we've been reconciled, we are now called to reconcile others, whether that be different ethnic groups or reconciling others to a relationship with God. And so when it comes to justice, the church is supposed to be the moral conscious of our society where when we see wrong, we speak out. And not only do we speak out, 
But like Pastor Mike was alluding to, we actually put boots on the ground. We actually put our money where our mouth is and we do things to make sure that the society is flourishing, that everyone has human dignity um, and we're making sure the condition that God intended from the very beginning is actually in place so that people of all creeds, of all stripes, of all colors are prospering and being all that God has made them to be. And so the church uh, should be leading the way when it comes to issues of justice because from my perspective, again, just coming from the Bible, we have the gospel, which I would contend is one of the greatest weapons that we have to play when it comes to actually doing justice in that it calls us to acknowledge the human dignity of each and every person, while at the same time, it calls us to make sure we're walking in forgiveness and we're walking in love and we're making sure that the, those who are oppressed don't end up oppressing others as well because of hatred and because of the injustice that they they were inflicted that 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 was inflicted upon them and so i think the church has a huge role to play in light of that um the history unfortunately is that the church has sat on the sidelines but i i do see a generation rising up who refuses just to say hey the gospel or the church or the word of God, it, it speaks of justice, but then there's no action. It speaks of justice, but we actually don't put boots on the ground. I see a generation that's saying, no, I'm actually gonna make sure my, my actions demonstrate love, but also my words. And I think the gospel is both. It's both a proclamation of God's goodness, God's justice, God's desire for humanity, but it's also the church coming, partnering with God and seeing to it that what he desired from the very beginning is actually at work in our lives. And so I think the onus is on the church to, to, to lead the way in that. Thank you very much. Uh, Pastor Mike, you want to uh, throw more lights on that? I very much agree that I, whenever there's a problem and there's been damages that have been done, I think that the people responsible need to be part of that solution. And one of the very sad realities for me has been that the Christian church has often been complicit. Not the entire Christian church, there's always been abolitionists. You know, in the days of slavery, there were absolutely Christians who were sneaking underground railroad, you know, realities taking place, and that was good. When you're looking at the end of slavery in Europe, um, Christians were right smack dab in the middle of so th that has always been the case I mean we, we have a scripture that talks about the eve like it's an abomination to to man steal like if someone goes and they like when I hear people even say things like well the Bible justifies slavery the Bible absolutely does not justify the transatlantic slave trade I mean that's 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 not true I mean there's a reason why Bible verses were chopped out of the Bible when slaves on plantations in America were given Bibles because if you read the if, if you give them the whole thing it's going to be very subversive. Um, but all of that said, I mean, it's, it's very shameful to me how, how I know Joel said oftentimes the church has stood on the sidelines and, and that's absolutely true. The, the reality even goes further than that. There's been times where the church has actually been a part of the problem itself, where you would have leaders in churches that were um, singing songs to God, so to their God on a Sunday. And on Monday they were marching with the KKK and oppressing people and 
and it's just wicked and it's evil and um, it is an abomination. And it's and, and as a result of that, I think there's been such a confusion. There's been such a cognitive dissonance in people's minds when they would say, wait, you, you claim to believe in this book and yet you guys have lived like this. And to me, that's one of the reasons why, because I think one of the questions is, well, well, who should pay reparations? And don't get me wrong. I mean, at the, at the grandest scale, I think that the place that that can happen uh, or should happen is governmentally. I mean, our government's already, t the government's not coming and asking me how much money I want to spend on the military. They're just taking my tax dollars and going and spending it, you know? So I'm not, I'm not really getting to do any micromanaging on that, uh, which is why I would be very much in favor of the government um, saying, okay, yeah, we're taking some of your tax dollars and it's going toward reparations. Like I think, I do think that's a legitimate use of, of tax money. All that said, that this has come up, this gets shot down every year in Congress which is one of the reasons why for us, like for us as a church, we finally just said, what the heck, we're, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna open up a, a reparations fund. In fact, if anyone's watching this, if you wanna be a part of that, every single penny, we keep no money for uh, overhead expenses, not 1%, not a half of 1% goes to administrative costs. Uh, every, we have a reparations fund that literally goes in the direction of being able to go and make repairing um, for those that would be the descendants of slaves in the United States of America. So. Um, so, so I, I, I think the church is one of the groups. I can't do much in, in with the, if I was, and don't get me wrong, I've especially in recent times been very tempted to say, man, maybe I'll just run for Congress or maybe I'm gonna go run for a governmental position and try to go do something. What I'm doing though is, is we have a church, we've got people that we minister to, we're trying to lead people that I'm trying to use whatever platform God gives me to where I like, I'm going and talking to other pastors all the time. I mean, in the last, week I've spoken to, I mean, in the last month I've spoken to multiple pastors, some of them very high profile that are influencing hundreds of thousands of people, uh, making the claim that the, the Christian church should be a part of the reparations movement and, and maybe even taking the lead because I'm not hearing a lot of things happening. And so, uh, so I think there's some encouragement. I, I've been, I've been hearing good things. And so that we're trying to do this here in Gainesville. Uh, we certainly don't don't own a trademark on this or anything like that, but we feel like if, if people of faith would join this, it's quite a statement. You know, it's it's really a powerful statement of uh, being able to repair. And again, when I do this to, to address one of the things that got brought up, Joel mentioned an objection, which is when people say, "Well, I never owned a slave." You didn't, but if you're white, you benefit from the people who did own slaves. So even if even when people, like my ancestors didn't even come up, my ancestors came into in like the 1910. So definitely my my answer the, the reality is though being a lighter hue i absolutely have reaped the benefits of what happened to a prosperity in a nation and systems in place that set things up where some people are more advantaged or disadvantaged than others and that's why for me it's absolutely appropriate to be part of the solution um, and I'm not by no means like if, if, if someone white watching right now said are you saying I should feel guilty as if I am a slave no I'm, I'm saying why don't you be part of the solution like you've got an amazing opportunity to be part of a beautiful solution and incidentally I would say this because um, you mentioned something interesting you mentioned in World War One Germany had to make reparations there is a bad way to do reparations and I think we got to be a little more honest about this um, one of the reasons why Hitler and Nazism did rise up was the, rep the reparative movement that was forced on Germany after World War One, it was excessive. I think you, we can look back historically now and we do know that probably, we really did, we put Germany down so bad, they were, they were so 
beaten down, shamed and all. It was a perfect environment for a Hitler to rise up. It really was. Um, so w when, I'm, when I'm advocating for, for reparations, for example, I am not saying let's go do to people what we did to Germany, what the world did to Germany. We, we proved how that did not, that did not work right. Reparations after World War II worked better with Germany. There's only a nation of Israel now because more appropriate reparations were done. But we learned our lesson the second time because we didn't want another Hitler to rise up. So, um, so, by, so by calling for reparations, we are not calling for telling every white person, go be ashamed of your skin. You need to, you need to hate who you are. We are not saying everyone needs to go around hating themselves or put a circle, a, a, a bullseye on their forehead and say, punch me, um, I'm a racist punk. We are saying there's been injuries and damages and repairs are appropriate. And we think we should jump in here and go do something. And it is my prediction, if we don't figure this out, I think tensions are only gonna get worse. And at some point, injustice has to be solved. And I just, I would love it if people that are, are willing would be part of the solution instead of waiting another generation to pass by and do nothing about it. Yeah, um, on that statement, being a part of the solution, that's something that takes us to the next question, which is, um, you know, uh, actually, there was a day I was um, doing something on my computer, trying to uh, uh, write a paper. I got a test from uh, my emails, uh, my Santa Fe College email. Um, it was um, about um, the reparation fund that um, uh, Greenhouse Church is actually saying. I was like, hmm, this is different. I've never seen something like this. So it's, it's one of the things that actually motivated um, the, the uh, Santa Fe College Campus Talk podcast to actually call uh, for this, uh, uh, you know, because a lot of students, they've seen that uh, email, um, they want to know about uh, what reparation is about, and they want to understand the church is even involved. So they want to understand um, the essence, the reason why um, the church is involved. And I believe from this information that I've been shared, it will definitely inform the students and all that. So you, you want to uh, throw more light on that in consideration of the international youth uh, you know, day, which is on taking action. What uh, sparked Greenhouse Church to take such action to create a scholarship on reparation fund? Well, it's, it's really everything that we've said. You know, I think systemically we know that there's things that are not, th th there's, it's, it's not a level, this is not a level playing field. You know, everyone's not coming from someplace uh, that's, that's equally opportunistic or equal, equally privileged and and we know that and we see that. So we've tried to identify certain areas that that repairs can be made. You know, um, the reality is if someone came from generational wealth, like there's been wealth that so even a, a middle class family for generations would have things passed down. You'd have a kid that let's say the kid didn't get a scholarship. Let's say the kid didn't get whatever. A lot of times there was family that would step into place and say, you know what? education is going to get you out of cycles of poverty going to get you out of cycles of disadvantage but you got to get educated and i think the reality is there's people that they've just had to bow out because when push came to shove where you might have one kid who's got some generational wealth that's going to be there all right you know what little johnny we're going to help you get through this you're going to finish your education and then you got other people that don't have that which is why one of the applications of reparations for us would be has been let's get let's give people a real shot of getting educated because man if you can get educated now you can start to get these new cycles new generations and and maybe someone didn't have parents or grandparents that were going to be there but if there could be a reparations fund that is and the, and the leadership at santa fe is so good and we we love it and we're and we just we very much align with those values 
that was what was behind that to think, okay, this is this is one of the areas where we think there's there, think that there can be some repairing and some hope building um, that's that's going to really bear some good fruit in the future. Yeah, thank you uh, very much for that, um, Pastor Joy. You want to um, add to that? Yeah, no, definitely. I think Mike Mike shared it all in terms of you know the reasoning. Uh, behind why the church uh, should be involved and why the church is doing that. Um, and I think that's that's our duty. You know, I think, you know, I just add, when you think about the church, our supreme ethic is love. And love means that God tells us we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And so if I love myself, right, and if I'm in harm's way, I'm going to do whatever I can to get myself out of harm's way. And so I am to love my neighbor as myself. If my neighbor is in a position where they're destitute or they're lacking or they're in, they're in need of something, then I'm going to try to do something to restore them because I love myself and I'm called to love my neighbor as myself. I'm gonna do something to make them whole. So I just wanna add, if you're a believer and you're watching this, the goal is not, you know, as Mike mentioned, do I need to feel shame? Do I have to get involved with this because of, what my ancestors did, the goal is love. And, and love is if someone is broken and there is something in my power that I can do to change that, then I respond with wisdom, which we're doing as Mike mentioned, we're not just you know throwing money in, in that regard, we're seeking wisdom and we're seeking to do this well, but I'm gonna use wisdom, I'm gonna use my resources to make sure there are conditions that are set in place to cause human dignity and flourishing. Uh, because someone is made in the image of God. It's not only do them, but more importantly as a Christian, it's what's do God. It's what will bring him glory. And that's what moves us. That's our impetus. That's our the engine that drives who we are as a people. It's the glory of God. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's our heart, man. Thank you very much. It's been a wonderful time being with um, both of you. Uh, this information, I believe, is going to uh, really, um, you know, encourage the students to see the need for um you know what understand what reparation is all about and also spread the message out so that they could become uh, you know involved with things that have to do with um, setting records straight in society and also taking action to make sure that things that are wrong um they can also uh, be advocates to set it right and we want to take the last word um that you want to share to the students and uh, before we uh, wrap up the show i'll start with you pastor mike I just want to tell anybody that's watching, you can do this. You can absolutely do this, especially anyone that the cards have been stacked against you and the, the playing field has felt so difficult and maybe you've wanted to give up. I just want you to know you do not need to give up. We absolutely believe in you. I absolutely believe there's greatness inside of you. It is my firm conviction, every single person watching this, that there's a, there's a genius, a latent genius that's inside of there. And I would encourage you to to believe me, I'm not just trying to hype you up. I'm not saying this because someone just needs to hype you up. I'm saying it because I really do honestly believe that God made you himself, that you are made in his image, that uh, that he cares very, very deeply for you, but he just doesn't make junk. And there's some purpose for which he's created you. And I just, I, I mean, I challenge you to not give up until you have fulfilled the purpose that is on your life. And I just speak blessing over you. Thank you very much, uh, Pastor Joel. Yeah, time. you know, I would I would add to that and say, man, if you're a person where you do have resources, every single one of us has an amount of privilege. I encourage you to leverage that and use that 
to uplift the downtrodden, to uplift the poor. Um, there is no greater joy that I've found in my life. I do stuff, I'm Haitian, so I go on mission trips and, and I, I go back to Haiti and serving my country. And there's no greater joy than using your life um, in service of others. Uh, there's no greater joy in that regard. And so I encourage you, regardless of where you are, there's a level of privilege, there's a resource you have, a gift, a talent, something God has placed inside of you. Use that to uplift those around you. Use that to make your voice heard for the sake of justice and truth and righteousness. And I think the thing that you're longing for, uh, not only will you find it in doing that, but ultimately what you would find is God himself because he's in that. And that's in essence what we all long for. So I'd encourage you, um, whoever's watching this, to, to step out in faith and to not only speak truth and speak justice, but to actually live it out in practical ways. And you can do that by partnering with the reparations funds. You can do that by, hey, coming by Greenhouse, seeing myself or Mike, and we can help get you on this journey of, of living for something more than just here and now, more than just, you know, what can I gain for me, but actually living for a greater purpose in that regard. So um, live for, for justice and live for truth. That would, that would be my closing remarks. Thank you very much. Um, I got a message from Java Brown. Uh, he's been tied up in something, but I'm sure we could be able to bring him up to uh, share his views on um, uh, reparation um, uh, as it affects society. It's been um, the host, uh, your host today. Uh, my name is Prince Bulame Erise. I've been the one anchoring this um, event, um, the campus talk, uh, where we've been talking about uh, reparation and the issues um, you know, involved with reparation. And we've been able to set the record straight. And those information have been very um, insightful. And I believe uh, um, the audience, you've um, gathered so much information. And so, like I said, let us be elements of justice in our society because our God is a just God. So uh, we'll be coming up with another program uh, on this uh, podcast uh, some other time. But until then, I'm signing out. Have a wonderful day. God bless you.